Hello and welcome to the Ideal Nutrition Podcast. My name is Aidan Muir and this is episode 100 where we thought we'd try something a little bit different. As usual, I'm joined by my co-host Leah Heigl, but we will also be joined by some of the members of the Ideal Nutrition team as well, partly because we just wanted to celebrate the milestone of 100. Yeah, something fun. Yeah, I think it's a cool milestone, so, so we just want to do something a little bit different. And we're going to go through some some questions that we'll ask each of us individually, just starting with myself and then Leah, and then we'll bring the rest of the team in. And hopefully there is some value in those questions as well to be gotten from. So we, we had a little think about what we were going to like ask each other and we really wanted to focus on, I guess, our journeys as dietitians and um, I guess our approach to practice and things like that. And hopefully everyone can take a little bit away from those. Um, so I'm going to start with asking you a few questions, Aiden. So what's something you wish you knew about nutrition before being a dietitian? So I looked at our show notes in advance and I had the same one as you, which I figured was going to be the same. So I won't start there. Oh yeah. We talk about <laughs> what, that all the time. Yeah. <laughs> so one, one thing I, I wanted to do that might be a little bit different is I wish I understood a bit more about how to look at research. I wish I mm. understood um, the value of systematic reviews and meta-analysis just at the base level, right? Because there's obviously so many flaws that you can... Like you can misinterpret research just by looking at that, right? Yeah. But just at the base level, understand that. An example I'm going to use is, it's a funny example, but when um, when I was living at home, 17 years old, I started getting to the gym and I bought protein powder and my dad hated it. He, he thought it was the worst thing in the world and his evidence was that there was a study that he had been around during a time at Wollongong University that linked protein powder with um, kidney decline functioning functional declines of kidney and i just knew because i'd read on bodybuilding.com that was fine yeah <laughs> but in hindsight, i'm like i wish i could just go and like get a systematic review up and be like the summary of the research shows that this is fine like you've yes. got one study that is like negative but the summary of the research of all of the studies when you combine it all together shows that this is fine i wish i knew that earlier yeah i think that's actually a really good point it's something that i think as health professionals now we kind of like don't think about not having that Mm. like that knowledge um so second question is what's a nutrition thing you were embarrassed you did before being a dietitian and before learning about nutrition yeah i'm sure i've told this one before but like the one that i find funny is i first learned about if it fits your macros And I thought the actual numbers really mattered. And I thought that it mattered to the point that if you were aiming for, say, 100 grams of protein, 150 grams of carbs, and 60 grams of fat, if you were at 50 grams of fat for the day, you should do something to get to the 60. Right. And, like, if you had no room in your carbs or protein left, you should only have a fat source kind of thing. I thought it mattered. That wasn't from a place of disordered eating. I just thought it'd make me jacked if I did that. <laughs> yeah, you had a goal that you wanted <laughs> yeah. to reach. Yeah. And the example I'm sure I've said is like I drank like 10 mil of olive oil to get 10, <laughs> 10 grams of fat. Um, whereas like I know now that the research shows that like I would have gotten exactly the same results if I'd eaten pretty much anything to fill out the rest of my calories after I'd consumed enough protein. Yeah, that's a good one too. And final question is, what is one of the most impactful experiences you've had working with clients or since being a dietitian? This is a hard one for me to answer because I I don't really think about that too much. Like I, if people get results, I've kind of expected 
that to happen. I don't know how else to say that, but it's like, I don't know. Like, it's like, but the one that, that kind of, um, got to me a little bit is a bit from left field because it's like, say, say I've had somebody who's lost like 50 kilos or something like that. As I said, like, it's kind of like, Oh, that was the, that was simple from the calories in calories out standpoint. It was more like the, how do we actually make this happen kind of thing. But like, that's not really too impactful to me. Although I really, really enjoy that process. It's not like I've gotten to the end of the 50 kilo journey and been like, Oh, that was incredible kind of thing. Sure. The stuff that like really impacts me more or impacted me more was one example was about, I think it was last year, maybe a year before, two years ago. Um, I had a client who had really, really, really bad headaches and I'd been working with her for about a year at this time. And she'd had really bad headaches the entire time. And we did the RPAH elimination diet, so a food chemical elimination diet, and her headaches just disappeared. Her entire life, pretty much, since like the age of, I don't know, 14 onwards through to like mid-20s. She'd had really bad headaches every single day. She'd been on medications, doctors couldn't find the answer, and this just solved it. And that's impactful to me in two ways. One way, the very superficial level, is that I helped a person. It's like if she didn't see me that problem never would have been solved, I don't think. And then the second way is, I think that first part I said about how I'd worked with her for a year already. It's like, I don't know, I've been doing this for a very, very long time. It's cool to like not give up on something <laughs> and continue having a crack, continue trying to learn more and everything like that and then have it pay off. Like it's a good friendly reminder. Yeah. Okay. I love that one. So um, anything else you kind of want to add um, for the special 100th episode? No, I, I don't know. I, I'm not really huge on milestones like this. Like, yeah, I assume, I've noticed that. <laughs> I assume I'll be doing this for a long time. There's a, there's a cool stat that I, I reflect on a bit, and that's something along the lines of like only 5% of podcasts ever get beyond episode 20. Mm. So I think the fact that we're at 100 is, is huge. It's pretty cool, but yeah. Yeah, once again, I, I'm a pretty consistent person of a lot of things, and I assume they'll continue. You always well. assumed we'd be here. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> like as long as you're still here, I'm still going to be here. <laughs> okay, sweet. <laughs> yeah. Um, let's, let's do the questions back on your end. So Sounds like a plan. What was the first question again? What's something you wish you knew about nutrition before being a dietitian? Yeah. So like, I know you said we had the same one when we were kind of thinking about hmm. this and it is something we always talk about, like how we wish all of our clients knew this as well. Um, but it's just knowing about like the theory of energy balance. So just kind of having that really, like even a simple understanding of like, calories in versus calories out for body composition changes like it would have stopped me from making so many stupid mistakes like especially like when I was younger and I'm like oh I want to be leaner like I got like I was really into like I guess the bodybuilding world at least um and I was like oh I'd love to be leaner and I would do things like clean eating and wonder why that wasn't working for me or I just take these like really weird dietary reproaches and I'm like why isn't this helping me get leaner when I, like, if I just knew about calorie deficits and calories in versus calories out, there would have been a lot of things. I, I would have either known why they didn't work. Um, or I just wouldn't have approached it in that way. Um, so I think if I could know anything back then, it would have been a basic, at least a basic understanding of that would have been so helpful. Yeah, hundred percent. That's that's why I thought the same. Yeah. Like I didn't do many stupid things, but it's kind of like it would have just clarified things so much yes. and made it so much easier. Yeah. Yeah, it makes the whole process of body composition change. Like you just know how to approach it better. Yeah. And I think having that clarity would have been so helpful. 
Yeah. And I guess that leads into the next thing about the what's something you did before you knew all this that was embarrassing. What is one of those things? I'd say I, I did I did quite a lot in like my teenage years, like soup diets and other fad stuff that I'd never even think about now. But the one I look back on, I actually did like maybe a year or almost two years into my nutrition degree. And it was as I was becoming vegan (laughs) and I went raw, like raw till four, like not like hardcore, but I was like eating an entire watermelon for lunch and like eating all like five banana smoothies. And like, I think cause raw till four was a huge thing in that specific point in time, particularly amongst like the vegan community. Um, And we had like anyone that who was was vegan back then will have known of like freely the banana girl and like durian rider and that whole world was really huge um and for a hot minute i did get sucked into that even knowing something some things about nutrition like there was still part of that that i don't know like spoke to me at the time i don't Mm. know why um but i'm like really embarrassed to admit that i actually did do that um and i (laughs) I was so fatigued. I was like, my IBS was awful. Like my training sucked. And so that's why it didn't stick. Like I didn't continue it, but I was like, I can't believe I even tried that. Um, so I'm always a little bit embarrassed to admit that. Although I feel like it does help me relate more so to my Mm. vegan clients, especially who were becoming vegan around the same time. Cause we all have like the same experience. Yeah. Yeah, I kind of relate with a different experience in that like three years into my dietetics degree, I had been avoiding cheese due to lactose intolerance. Mm-hmm. And every time I get a client with lactose intolerance now, I always relate to the fact that I'm like, I was three years into studying this and I didn't know that something like cheddar cheese has pretty much no lactose and I wouldn't have got symptoms. Yeah. Like there's, there's no way. And like I, I had identified lactose intolerance in like two years previously. So like two years into that, three years into the degree. Didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You were still giving up this thing. You did not have to. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's like, it makes it a lot more relatable when I try and like go through that with clients. But yeah. yeah. Cool. So then the final question, what's an impactful experience that you've had working with clients? Yeah. I feel like I'm probably a little bit more sentimental than you. I'm not the most <laughs> sentimental person in the world. Um, but when people have good experiences with me, And they're like even following up like after us working together. I always feel like that's a bit impactful on me. It makes me like, it makes me happy to come to work and do what I do. Um, But there's probably one client or client story that, that really stands out in my several years of being a dietitian. And it was actually a client that had more like disordered eating patterns, a lot of body image issues. And they came to me because they had lost their period. Um, They were an athlete. They did kind of ultra endurance stuff. Um, And they're like, look, I've lost my period. I'm losing my hair. I feel awful, but I'm really scared of gaining weight um, because they had, like I said, all these body image issues and all this pressure coming from family to be like really thin, just from a cultural perspective. And in our process of working together, like we worked together for probably around a year and it was a slow start um, as we kind of built that rapport, but it got to a point where she kind of allowed, she trusted me enough to allow like weight gain to occur. We really worked on a lot of, um, body image things like in terms of like body checking and different behaviors that weren't helpful um 
over our time, we, we, we managed to put a little bit of weight on her. She was comfortable with that, which is like even a bigger thing than mm. allowing the weight gain in the first place. She was happy. We restored her period. Um, she really wanted to get pregnant, which is another reason that she came to me, um, wanting to restore her period. Uh, and in our, in that time, she did end up falling pregnant after Yeesh. feeling like she wasn't going to be able to because yeah. she'd been trying for so long. Um, and I'm like not the biggest like baby person. Like, pre- like <laughs> I'm, I'm not <laughs> like I don't like kids. I'm like not interested in pregnancy for myself, but I found myself like really celebrating this moment yeah. with her. Cause I'm like far out. Like this is a huge milestone in her yeah. life that we've been able to kind of help her get to. And we've been through like all this stuff together. Um, and I don't know that I think that just impacted me a lot. And like, she, we don't work together anymore. Cause she really got out of the experience, what she wanted, mm. but she still like updates me every now and then. Yeah. And she updated me like a few months ago being like, baby number two is on the way I'm married. Like I feel great. I'm like maintaining this extra body weight and I feel really good. And I was like, I'm even kind of getting goosebumps thinking about it. Cause I'm like, I impacted that person so much and it might be like, it's, I guess it's kind of selfish, but like, it makes me feel good. Yeah. And I don't know, that just impacted me and it was like, oh, hell yeah, this is awesome. Yeah, I yeah. love that. I, don't know. <laughs> I think it's one of the coolest things of our job that we can have such an yeah. impact in some ways. It's not always going to be like that, but when we get a moment like that, huge. It's just really cool. Like yeah. I love all like the usual day-to-day stuff of being a dietitian. Like I love the sports nutrition stuff and all that kind of nitty gritty thing that maybe isn't the most impactful on someone's life as a whole, um, but it's just like cool and I enjoy it. But when I get a moment like that, I was like, yeah. This is great. <laughs> so good. Um, let's get the first member of the team in here. All right. So we have team number member number one with us, Hannah Mills. Um, so we're going to start with who are you and what do you do at Ideal? Yeah. Thank you. Um, yeah. So I'm an accredited practicing dietitian. I'm about to start my sports dietetic qualifications. So that's very exciting. Yeah. Yeah. So I've been with Ideal for about a year and a half now. Um, and yeah, I've seen a lot of different types of clients. So yeah, endurance athletes and combat athletes are definitely some of my favorite. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the science and the math that goes into that. Yeah. Yeah. Big, big math freak. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I've done a lot of with that. And then yeah, obviously a lot of powerlifters working at a powerlifting gym yeah i mean we are all based out of Valhalla, like powerlifting gym so that makes sense yeah, yeah 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 so we do see a lot of them um but yeah they're probably some of my favorite clients to see sweet that's a great intro so i'm gonna get into asking you a few questions now that both aiden and i have completed already um but the first one is what's something you wish you knew about nutrition before becoming a dietitian and before you did your degree yeah yeah i did think about this question quite a lot because I look to social media for a lot of nutrition knowledge, as you do, I think, these days. Um, But I think the one thing that – if there was one thing that I could change, I actually wish I looked to more of the Australian Dietary Guidelines. And I know that's such a standard dietitian answer to say. Um, But when you think about the Australian Dietary Guidelines, like, they were made to make people healthy, right? Like, they're – they're a standard diet like guideline for the average person to ensure that they can be healthy and prevent any chronic disease. So I think it's a really good starting point where it shows you the food groups. So, you know, your whole grains, your protein, your um, dairy, your 
fruit and vegetable serves and roughly how much you should be having. And I think that's a really good starting point. And as well as, you know, limiting the, the discretionary items, opting for water and um, yet limiting, you know, saturated fats as well. And so I think it's a really good starting point and something that I wish I kind of looked to more rather than social media, where I think it was more about limiting and, and restriction and go keto or go vegan or intermittent fast like it's more around the fad diets i think on social media um or even you know if it fits your macros i don't think it displays a good picture of what nutrition should look like as a whole and so i think that can lead a lot of people down disordered eating or um yeah kind of build an unhealthy relationship with food because often you don't enjoy those yeah. fad diets so yeah, to, to summarise it, I think I wish I knew more about the Australian Dietary Guidelines and the evidence behind them and why they're probably the best source to look to for nutrition advice if you know nothing. Yeah, I guess in terms of like knowing like your basic nutrition knowledge before like delving into like fat yeah. diets and like things that are, I guess have more sex appeal, like almost like obviously like going keto or vegan seems like it seems cool. It seems cool. Way like uh, or the Australian sugar, dietary like, guidelines. Yeah, I don't <laughs> eat sugar. I'm so cool. Like it kind of gives you an identity almost. Yeah. But no, in it when taking a step back, it's like oh no, if you just want to be healthy and feel good have an understanding of what a balanced diet looks like and then build from there and, and make it more individualized from there. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. Um, so leading on from that, what's something that you did from a nutrition perspective in the past that maybe you're like slightly embarrassed to admit? I feel like we've all got at least one story. I've got multiple. <laughs> <laughs> I was literally talking to the guys downstairs before about which story I should use and I think you of all people are going to hate this answer the most or or um yeah kind of be ashamed of this answer the most but basically so I used to be a cross-country runner yeah and like a couple of things I I had some disordered eating behaviors back then where I would yeah really restrict my food throughout the week because basically all the boys were really lean and so I was like oh if I'm lean then I'll be faster yeah. like I had no understanding of oh no they have more testosterone of course they're going just to like be faster straight comparing. like looking at their body compared to mine I'm like that's how they're faster I need to have less food and so I, I really underfueled. um unfortunately yeah I didn't have my period and things like that throughout high school um which yeah I'm also kind of like disappointed to look back on but then the main part that you're gonna <laughs> hate is yeah, basically the week before each cross country race, I would go quote unquote veganish. <laughs> so I knew that like protein was important, and so I knew that protein came from chicken and eggs. That was kind of my understanding, um, and you know other meat sources. And so I would basically eat fruit and veggies, whole grains throughout the week, um, and then I would yeah have a little bit of chicken and egg you know, to top up my protein source, yeah. probably like half of a chicken breast, like nothing, you know, not meeting my requirements whatsoever. Um, and yeah, so I would do that so that I was lean as possible so that I could race better on the day. Mm. Looking back, I'm like, I was so fatigued even stepping onto that, you know, you race line. Yeah. yeah. Because I was so underfueled. Yeah. yeah. But at least it, I guess it gives you some insight into clients now who maybe feel like the same way, especially working with endurance athletes. I think that the concept of like always being leaner at any cost. Yeah. It's, it's a big thing. So. It's yeah. There's a strong stigma associated and like, yeah, I can really relate 
to it. Yeah. Um, but it's something that I'm like, you're like, oh no. <laughs> yeah. Can't I did that. I'm like, the week before your race, you want to be eating more than what you usually would, yeah, you know? Yeah, a little bit of a car load or yeah, something. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And I would eat nothing. Yeah. Um, and the final question, what is one of the most impactful experiences you've had either working with clients or as being a dietitian? Yeah, yeah. So probably one of the most impactful experiences for me was when I saw a food chemical intolerance client and she had a lot of symptoms. So she was experiencing bloating, pain, um, smelly gas, diarrhea. She had constipation on and off, um, as well as histamine reactions. So like sneezing and she had hives on her skin and things like that. She'd seen multiple healthcare practitioners. So she'd seen dietitians, nutritionists, mm-hmm. naturopaths, doctors. Um, she'd had colonoscopies over the course of seven years. Wow. Okay. That's yeah. a long time. Yeah. So she was 23. So she was quite young. So she'd been experiencing this since high school and she had no idea what was going on. And she came to me, um, you know, how like naturopaths do the, the blood tests and they're basically yeah. like, oh, you're intolerant to all these foods. Yeah. Um, which were all the foods that she would usually eat because she had that exposure to the antibodies, right? But yeah, so she came to me with that and she was just so lost and so confused. And so basically, um, yeah, it was really impacting her quality of life. She was embarrassed to go to the gym. She wouldn't go out because um, she was scared of what was going to happen. Um, she would leave work early sometimes because she was in so much pain. So um, it was quite, yeah, a terrible experience for her. And so it impacts like every aspect of your life with those kinds of symptoms. 100%, 100%. Like both the way you look, the way you feel like, yeah. And you're just in so much pain all the time. Um, and so, yeah, we put her through the RPAH elimination diet. Um, and we, we established that she was intolerant to salicylates. And so obviously it was a, it's a process going through the food chemicals. It's quite the, yeah, quite the process. Elimination. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I know. Like the only fruit you can have is a pear. Like, yeah. yeah. And when they're not in season, you know, (laughs) it's quite a limiting process. Um, but yeah, so once we excluded the salicylates from her diet, basically all of her symptoms went away. That's pretty cool. It was really cool because like one nutrition intervention as much as you know it's it's a process and a half was able to restore her quality of life yeah when you can have that kind of I guess impact on a client that feels pretty special it was it was really cool it was really cool to be like you know what you can live your normal life you cannot experience this pain bloating and everything um yeah as long as we just avoid salicylates and it was really eye-opening for her um so I guess yeah for me as a dietitian you hear that like a lot of people refer to dietitians as the people who quote unquote tell you to eat healthy food, mm. right? And I think it was impactful f- for me to see how nutrition can make such a big difference to someone's life. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. That's so nice. Because um, we're talking, when I was talking to Aiden, we were saying that he's not very sentimental, but I'm probably a bit more. And I feel like you're probably pretty similar to me when you, <laughs> yeah. have, when you have an experience like that, it can just feel... Yeah, it's special and it's nice yeah. and impactful. Like we're like crying together, the client and I were like, Woo! Yeah. <laughs> yes, we've solved this like, yeah. massive thing in your life. Yeah. Success. Yeah. Um, all right. Thanks for talking with me, Hannah. Is there anything that you, I guess you want to plug? Do you want to kind of say like 
your Instagram handle or anything else? Yeah, yeah, of course. So if you guys have any questions, don't hesitate to contact me at Hannah Mills um, on Instagram. So it's just Hannah with one N. My parents made that difficult for me. Um, <laughs> I always spell your name with two. Yeah. It's okay. I get used to it. <laughs> um, but yeah, so just Hannah Mills. And yeah, I love to take on, yeah, any endurance or combat athlete clients um, or answer any questions. All right. Awesome. All right. We're going to bring in Tyler now. Okay, Tyler, you're up. All right. Um, do you want to give us a brief intro on who you are and what you do at Ideal? Sure. Yeah. So my name's Tyler. I'm a dietitian for Ideal Nutrition. Um, I was just joking with Aiden downstairs trying to figure out how long I've been with Ideal Nutrition for. And it's coming up on four years. Is it really? Aiden's like, I'm going to have to figure out what long service leave is and how that works. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Ten years is going to come up quick. Yeah. So I've been with Ideal Nutrition nearly four years. Um, obviously I'm pretty confident and happy working with a pretty broad range of clients and have over the years, but, um, I specifically have a passion for performance-based nutrition. So working with athletes, whether that be powerlifters, crossfitters, like team sports, athletes, football players, cricketers, anything across that sort of sports spectrum I love, but obviously very comfortable in other sort of more clinical based spaces as well. Mm got quite a number of clients who are type 1 diabetics for example or that I do FODMAPs elimination style diets with and treat IBS and all those sorts of things so pretty comfortable with the broad spectrum but performance is definitely my sort of like your wheelhouse preferred niche yeah yeah so gonna run you through a few questions that we're asking the whole team and the first one is what's something you wish you knew about nutrition before you did your degree and before being a dietitian? Mm, okay, that's a good question. So I think um, I was thinking about this a little bit before and one of the things that I kind of knew and that I think most people know coming in or at least a lot of people know coming into considering their own nutrition is that what kind of nutrition can boil down to is calories in versus calories out, whether that be for maintaining weight, gaining weight, losing weight. It just comes into comes right down to like simplest like statement of calories versus in versus calories out is going to give you those results. But um, what I wish I knew sort of before was that there is so much more to it than that. Sure, that it's more complex than that. Yeah, like yeah. It, it's it's as simple as that, but it's also infinitely more complex. <laughs> yeah, like um, it's both at the same time. Yeah, like personally, I'm a very um, sort of maths and science like logical mindset. Whereas, like, cool, if I do A plus B, it'll equal C. Mm-hmm. and that's how calories in calories out works but most people don't seem to work like that you can give them all the information all the education you can give them meal plan you can give them calories and macros and sometimes they still won't see results even if they think they're following those calories and macros so there's so much more to it you have to figure out what else is going on what other factors are contributing to you know is this sustainable for you are you actually managing to do this do you have a good understanding mm-hmm. of what's involved like you know there's so much more to it than just calories in calories out yeah but at the end of the day like even behaviors and yeah and exactly yeah for sure so that's probably something that um you know my experience has changed with from before i studied and became qualified to after even mm. before i knew calories in calories out most people know that but there's so much more to it and we obviously become upskilled and learn about those other factors more throughout our education and throughout practice experience as well so yeah aiden and i were saying like that we just wish we had the understanding of like energy balance and calories in calories out but i guess like after you have that knowledge then expanding on that and being like there's all these other things that impact it as well yes. it's also helpful <laughs> yeah what makes yeah. it possible to actually do that like yeah yeah in for sure no love that 
Um, leading on from that, what's a nutrition thing, I guess, that you've done in the past that you maybe at this point are a little bit embarrassed to admit? <laughs> yeah, I think, um, I don't know. I don't mean to come off as like dismissive or like that I've always been perfect or anything like that, <laughs> but I'm not particularly embarrassed about anything that I've done nutritionally. Sure. Given that, um, you know, I was lucky enough to have a pretty good balanced upbringing in terms of like dietary habits and like eating food and homemade food and balance of takeout and when it's appropriate and all that sort of stuff. So I've never really had any sort of issues with any weird or wild food consumption type habits. Sure. So I'm pretty lucky from that regard. Um, but I'd say something that, uh, I have done that a lot of people are, you know, I guess sometimes surprised to find out given that I'm a dietitian, um, was that I did the keto diet for a couple of years. For a and couple of years. Yeah, yeah, I did keto yeah, diet for quite a long right. time. I personally, like for me, found that it worked really well. I quite enjoyed that style of eating. Okay. The main reason why I've changed from it is because I wanted to focus on like a more performance-based um, approach to nutrition to improve my powerlifting. Mm-hmm. Um, otherwise, I probably would have stayed on it potentially. And I know it's like notorious for like people can't stay on it, but um, you, you know, enjoyed I, I enjoyed staying on it. Like, it suited me quite nicely, and I might—I know I'm a pretty small subset of the population <laughs> that that potentially applies to. But um, obviously, have the the experience and education to recognize that it's not great for performance, yeah, um, or at least in superior to performance in terms of a high carbohydrate intake for the types of performance that I want to do. Um, so I sort of cycled off it for that reason primarily, but I quite like it as a dietary approach. But So you're like not you're not like necessarily embarrassed yeah, about not, it. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not embarrassed about it. I think any any of those sort of nutritional like things that I have done in the past, I think have got me to the point now where I am in terms of having an understanding or mm. a bit more of a I guess a lived experience of what people are often trying. Like I've tried intermittent fasting. I've tried a 24 hour fast once a week, a water fast. I've tried keto and all that sort of stuff. I'm not necessarily embarrassed by it because it's been a good learning experience and it gives me a different level of insight rather from, rather than people just looking from the outside in and going, yeah, keto diets, you know, yeah, it's not good good for the rest of the But I was like, cool, I've tried it. I know it's like practically for me and for other people who are trying to perform not optimal, but I also can see how it would be applicable. And if it's your preference and you do enjoy it, also then have the lived experience of like how to implement that effectively as opposed to just that sort of outside in thing where it's like, yeah, it's something to be embarrassed about because it's like a (laughs) a fad diet or whatever else. And, um, you know, I don't think it necessarily is, but that's kind of a, I guess what would be, uh, kind of verging on something that I might not be embarrassed about, but something that would kind of cross into that realm. Sure. I look at it all as as positive learning experiences. (laughs) That sounds good. (laughs) Um, and the final question is, what is one of the most impactful experiences you've had either working with clients or again, just as a dietitian in general? Mm, yeah. I, I think this one um, has come come up quite a lot with a lot of different clients across my, um, my career working with people is that something I often get to a point with eventually is clients will reach out to me and go, you know what? I saw someone say this and I used to think that's along those sorts of lines, like on social media or some sort of influencer post or something along those lines, whether it be regards to dietary choices or weight loss or, you know, a weight fluctuation or something like that. And then that message me be like, I now have the, the insight to like not freak out when something like that happens to me. Like when the scale weight does go up 700 grams the next day compared to the day before and I'm trying to lose weight. Yeah. I know not to freak out and that I haven't put on 700 grams of body fat overnight. Um, and just developing like that sort of education that gives people, I like to refer to it as like the power to like logic your way out of an initial emotional response 
that could otherwise be quite negative or could derail the process. You know, in that example, it might be like you jump on the scales, you see a 700 grams heavier and you're like, oh my God, I've screwed something up. I need to diet a bit harder or restrict this the next day. And then that starts that whole negative, like restrict overeat cycle or Mm -hmm. binge restrict or whatever it might be. Um, as opposed to just logically going, oh no, I had an extra 100 grams of carbohydrate. That's going to store an extra 300 grams of water. My scale weight's going to be up 400 grams compared, like because of that. You know, there might have been some extra food volume or some fiber in those foods I ate. That's contributing to that scale weight increase. And just having the the ability to like step your way through what you might have done, logic your way yeah. out of it, and balance that initial emotional response because we all have that emotional response. Of course, yeah. Um, even as much as like people say, I don't really care about scales. When you jump on and it's not what you're expecting to see, everyone, I think, has some degree of like, oh. Like, that's higher that. than yesterday. Yeah, well, that's not what I wanted or that's yeah. not what I've been working towards. What have yeah. I done wrong? And, yeah, having the ability and education behind you to sort of, yeah, counteract those, what can be a negative reaction to that is, I think, valuable. So I have a lot of clients that message me, even one this week, saying, you know what, I saw this girl posting on you know, Instagram about her needing to get back on track after Easter, after her weight going up 800 grams. And she's like, that would have used to have been me. Whereas now I know that it's just a bit of extra, you know, scale weight fluctuation, get back to my normal routine and it'll be back down to normal in the next day or two. Yeah. So like empowering people to not catastrophize after kind of seeing something online. hundred percent. And I think that's so valuable. And that's like a valuable skill to develop that will set you up for like a more sustainable relationship with food or better eating behaviors long-term rather than just being like having an effective diet phase, having the education that will last the rest of your life to you know, be able to develop a better relationship with food or a better understanding of what you're doing, I think is super powerful. Hell yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so to finish up, is there anything you want to plug, maybe your Instagram handle or anything like this? Sure. Um, if you don't already, you can follow me at lift <laughs> underscore dietetics. Um, so that one there you can jump on. I post a fair bit of informational content on there. It's where I do like to get a lot of resources up, even, um, just, uh, a bit of a balance sometimes between nutrition and exercise as well, given that a lot of my previous experience in the industry comes from a exercise standpoint and my undergraduate degree was exercise science as well as Mm -hmm. nutrition. Um, I do sometimes have that crossover with like lifting or exercise related, um, you know, posts and content as well as the nutritional education side of things. So it's a bit of both. And obviously it's a bit of extra insight into my own special personality as we all like to make our own social media things as well. So yeah, jump on me at lift dietetics and, um, yeah, anything on there, you're welcome to browse through, shoot me a message or a DM. Otherwise you can obviously book online for myself or any of the other ideal nutrition team there too. Perfect plug. It's almost like you've done this before. (laughs) Okay, sweet. Thanks for chatting with us, Tyler. And we're going to get in the next person. All right, Monica. (laughs) Hello. Welcome to the Ideal Nutrition Podcast. Um, So obviously your first time on here. So give us a little bit of an intro into who you are. Yeah, for sure. Thanks for having me on. Um, Yes, I'm Monica. I am an accredited practicing dietitian. I'm just about to do the sports dietetics course as well to become a sports dietitian. Oh, you and Hannah will be doing it at the same time. Yes, at the same time. Very How excited good. about that. Um, yeah, I guess I have been with Ideal for just a couple months now, so I'm the newest member to the team. Um, I have a lot of, I guess, like active clients from everyday athletes to, compet- to more competitive athletes, work with disordered eating clients, weight loss, iron deficiency, gastrointestinal issues, um, things like that. But yeah, those are probably my main sort of clients that I work with. Yeah. And you do CrossFit as well? That's right. CrossFit, <laughs> strength and conditioning, that kind of training that I yeah. really love. 
and the team is trying to push you into powerlifting. Trying. We're not there yet. <laughs> not successfully. We'll see what happens <laughs> in a couple months. <laughs> um, so we're going to run through a few questions that we were running the whole team through. So the first thing is, what's something you wish you knew about nutrition before you did your degree or became a dietitian? Yeah, for sure. Um, one nutrition related thing that I wish I knew prior to being a dietitian is simply the fact that nutrition as a whole is a science and recommendations for healthy dietary patterns um, and even to more unique and specific recommendations are based on you know systematic reviews and meta-analyses not just the opinion of a health professional or an influencer mm-hmm. um, as well as the fact that it's also incredibly complex multifaceted and individual and the reason I wish I knew this is because it would have allowed me to be a lot more curious and skeptical of fad diets well-marketed yeah. supplements that aren't necessarily evidence-based on top of just the random advice of other people um, which I believe would have really helped me a lot um, along my own health journey. Yeah I love that Uh, and leading in from that what is something that you maybe were or are embarrassed to admit that you've done in the past from a maybe food or nutrition perspective and before being a dietitian? Yeah so I've been through a journey and during (laughs) high school, I sought help from a naturopath when I had bad acne um, Mm. and she advised me to do a food intolerance test, which involved her cutting off a sample of my hair, which I was really worried about because I was like, <laughs> not my hair. No, I just grew You've my hair really long. Hair. <laughs> oh, thank you. And um, she sent it away to be tested. So I did that. Um, and little did I know at the time that these tests don't actually tell you what foods you're intolerant to. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I sadly cut out a lot of my favorite foods for over six months for no reason. Um, didn't help me whatsoever. So yeah, a little yeah. embarrassed about that. But you yeah. know, you live and you learn. I mean, you were taking the advice of another health professional that you thought was more educated yeah, than you. So that's right. And I think there. I was just like so worried about my acne at the time that I was going to do whatever. Do anything. It takes. Yeah. Yeah. And last one is, what is the most impactful experience that you've had either working with clients or once again, just being a dietitian? Yeah, so I'm constantly learning so much from my clients, um, but I want to talk about one in particular who was a young female that came to me after losing 30 kilos. Um, She was very low in energy, not feeling like herself um, and had all these symptoms of low energy availability after being on such a low calorie intake for so long. Um, She was a bit lost on where to go and scared to eat more in case she regained some of the weight that she lost, um, but knew that what she was doing at the time wasn't sustainable. Um, So we ended up coming up with a plan where she started to fuel her body adequately, ended up maintaining her weight and had energy to train again and feel like felt like a completely new person, um, despite being scared to implement the plan to begin with. Um, And this situation had a big impact on me in really solidifying the importance of trust and communication, Mm. really listening in and the importance of making sure that they know you are on their team to help them achieve their goals in a way that they are willing to do so alongside your professional guidance and support. Um, yeah, so it really solidified that, yes, you can know the science behind the nutrition, but you also have to consider the person, the emotion, their worries and apprehension, as well as the vulnerability in asking for help too. Mm -hmm. Um, and them trusting you is an honor and a big responsibility, um, but one that I'm very grateful to have. Oh, I love that. (laughs) Cause yeah, that trust and rapport is super important, especially if you're working with someone who is 
maybe there's like body image issues or disordered eating. Like, I mean, it's helpful in any case to have trust and rapport, but especially in those circumstances, that trust is so important. And it's like a big responsibility. Absolutely. And I think um, because a lot of the time these people will come to you and they've heard so many different conflicting mm. um, sources of information and they're just so confused on like where do I actually go um, and they've come to you as often a last resort um, and they're like you know what actually I just really need help from someone who knows what they're doing um, and yeah put that trust in you to actually just listen to them and help yeah. them. Yeah. And just to wrap up for you, I know like you're very active on social media, like your Instagram content is amazing and you've just hit 10K. Yes. Yeah. Such a big milestone. Um, Did you want to quickly maybe plug your socials? For sure. Um, So Fueling Performance, F-U-E-L-L-I-N-G, Performance. Um, That's my page. Um, Yeah. Just post a lot of, I guess, nutrition related resources, um, tips, practical trips. Uh, tips to um, implement in your everyday life all about um, performance related nutrition rather than you know um, just diet related stuff that all the influencers put out so sweet yeah you've got a great page (laughs) thank you so thank you for sitting down chatting with me and we're going to bring in our final team member now and that's sammy all right final team member for the day and that is sammy so give me a little intro into who you are sammy so, um, yeah, I'm an accredited practicing dietitian, just like everyone else here. Um, but I have done my master of dietetics at UQ and the bachelor of exercise and nutrition science. Um, yeah. And I started with ideal back in August in 2022 and it's been pretty awesome working there so far. I've been working with a lot more performance-based athletes. Um, that's team sports, you know, powerlifting as well, which I've just done a comp, which is pretty fun. Yeah, and so cool. Um, and as well, endurance athletes. And I really do have a passion for that too. Um, but yeah, I do work with everyone else in terms of, you know, general population and then as well, like our um, managing relationship with food and eating disorder um, related clients as well. They're kind of more my other interests, I suppose. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So we're going to jump straight into the few questions that we have yeah. for the team today. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll start with what's something you wish you knew about nutrition before your degree or like studying dietetics, becoming a dietitian? Yeah. So there's one thing that I feel like if I could do maybe part of my uni degree again, I would, where I would actually go in and pick more psychology courses because mm. coming into like the profession is in private practice dietetics. Like I've got the science, yep, got all the science nutrition side of things under my belt. Um, but I feel like there was a lot more psychological psychological kind of aspects that maybe I didn't quite have at the start. Obviously now I've gone in and made sure I'm pretty well covered in that area. But yeah, I feel like for any dietetics students, if you're going to do private practice, I feel like that's something that would be really beneficial because it seems like it's becoming more and more common that there is mental health conditions associated with eating um, habits as well. So yeah, feeling really confident in that space and knowing Mm. how how to, you know, um, talk to these people, obviously in a way that's going to be helpful for managing their mental health condition and the nutrition in one that's not you can't really do one without the other I suppose so I feel like it's yeah yeah 100 I think it's one thing I didn't expect being a dietitian like when I was doing my degree is like the behavior change stuff yeah. the psychological stuff of, yeah. of what we do yeah um yeah so yeah that's yeah. that's a good one yeah. that's a good answer I like that I remember I think it was maybe a first month or something um I was practicing and I was like 
you know, doing, I thought, fantastic meal plans and giving yeah. really good advice, really practical stuff, the science. But then there would be, you know, I think it was maybe my first couple of clients who had some, you know, now I'm be, I would see them as big red flags for like disordered eating and things sure. like that. But then I didn't know that. And I would just be like, oh, you know, maybe this is, this is fine. But obviously big eye opener. I quickly realized, thank goodness, quickly realized yeah. that I needed more skills in that. And um, yeah, have done been able to work in that area and I think it also just experience too goes a long way totally yeah and just being able to work with people it's like it's a skill you build over time thousand percent yeah yeah Yeah. um and leading on from that what's a nutrition thing that you are embarrassed to admit Mm. that you've maybe done in the past Mm, I feel like this one's interesting (laughs) I feel like all the girls like I have something a bit more crazy than the the guys yeah mine mine was um like I had an interest in nutrition pretty like when I was in high school um and I thought I knew what was good like I thought I knew what was healthy and so I actually went and read a bunch of books um and there was one that was yeah I quit or a quit quitting sugar book I suppose oh you did that one (laughs) I I don't know if I'm um yeah, so I just decided, hey, that that sounds really legit. Like, it sounds like I can improve so many aspects of my health by quitting sugar. And so I, like, made a little Instagram and set a date for myself of when I was quitting sugar for the rest of my life. <laughs> and, <laughs> do you know, the, the thing that's embarrassing about that, though, is that, um, yeah, I didn't know that that – like, now I can see um, any clients that do something similar where they create this really big restriction on something. It just makes you want it so much more. So I ended up having really – really weird relationship with food where I was um yeah making foods that I didn't really enjoy but just because they were sugar-free and just had this impression that was so much better for me when really you know at the end of the day it all comes down to calories and things like that if you're wondering about um you know body composition and maybe you know look health is different to that obviously but I was just doing weird things like yeah (laughs) just taking like weird extremes that made no sense a thousand percent yeah um yeah and just thought that sugar was poison and all this stuff and um it didn't last that long it probably lasted like three to six months mm-hmm. um that's a while it was yeah yeah I guess it was a while but <laughs> like I think I mean yeah I tried I tried to do it and I was like what's wrong with me why can't I do this it should be fine to do it but absolutely not like sugar is not the reason um for so many people like it's just a small part of it mm-hmm. and you know the day sugar is sugar so eating rice malt syrup versus you know something else yeah. maybe a little bit micronutritionally different and fiber fiber stuff is a bit different but um at the end of the day like it's sugar is sugar and like eat what you enjoy and in, in moderation and all that side of things right so yes yeah, so like <laughs> even being dietitians like we've all tried I think I'm maybe Aiden hasn't but we've yeah. all kind of everyone else is like yeah we tried this bad diet <laughs> yeah and yeah. we're like kind of embarrassed to admit that like yeah. I did raw till four yeah and I did some like kind of vegan-ish but like from a maybe <laughs> disordered eating perspective yeah. so yeah I think we all have like that similar experience yeah. even as like health professionals mm. um and leading into our last question what is one of the most impactful experiences you've had working with clients mm. um this one I feel like it's a little bit like I don't know I find it really um both personally and for the client I feel like it's pretty awesome um some of the things that we've achieved so there's like quite a group of clients that I've seen now that have gone from 
having disordered relationship with food and or eating disorders and have overcome that and actually moved on to their next goal where it's like Mm. fueling for performance and they're actually competing in things now or playing sports they never thought they could play in and I just think that's so cool that you can like they come in to see me for a specific thing yeah and it was huge deal getting through that but now they're like in a space where they have all this energy and this capacity to even take on another goal and it's just like going from just living and and trying to you know keep alive and do things like this but then going to thriving and actually um yeah competing at a really high level some of them so it's pretty cool Um, I think anytime where we're working on like someone's relationship with food I mean for me that seems really impactful oh yeah like because I think it's one of the most undervalued things Mm. is just having a good relationship Mm. with food and your body and if you can help someone get from like point a to point b yeah I I find that so impactful yeah definitely yeah um yeah but can't wait to keep working more in that space because I think it's so enjoyable for me and that's probably the most impactful for everyone I think yeah yeah and I'm just getting everyone Mm. to plug their socials Mm. so if you want to kind of tell us a little bit about what you do online yeah so um I have uh my Instagram page is probably where I'm the most active um and that is like at nourished dot by dot sammy um yeah so i'd like to post on there things like obviously evidence-based nutrition information some fun stuff like reels with different things um and tips and stuff recipes occasionally um i do have a tiktok but i think it's (laughs) needs some work (laughs) same (laughs) but um you know yeah and like obviously always happy to um answer questions on there and you know just get in contact with people and stuff and help them if they have any little questions and things or just create that community more. So yeah. Awesome. Um, yeah. Thank Lovely. you. Thank you, Sammy. Welcome. Thanks for having a chat with us. No, you're welcome. <laughs> that has been the ideal nutrition team. Hopefully that was a good way to showcase a little bit of them as individuals and the kind of work that we do and everything like that. And hopefully there was some value to be gotten out of that. Even if it's just seeing like the little details, like how dietitians aren't necessarily perfect and everything like that with their own nutrition, even quite a bit of time into learning a lot about nutrition. Um, But apart from that, this has been episode 100 and hopefully there's many more to come.